With Halloween just around the corner, my family has plenty of tricks and treats planned. But thanks to Pampers, one thing I have never been afraid of is a leaky diaper. Fear no leaks with new and improved Pampers Swaddlers, now featuring a blowout barrier at the back waist that helps prevent up to 100% of leaks, even blowouts. We've always looked forward to getting the girls dressed up for Halloween when they were babies. And with Pampers, we knew that in addition to being absolutely adorable in their costumes, they would be dry, clean, and comfortable. With Swaddlers, you can rest assured that you have superior leak protection while keeping baby skin healthy. Pampers Breathe Free Liner wicks away wetness, allowing baby skin to breathe, while the lockaway channels help keep baby skin dry and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologists approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Pamper Swaddlers are available in sizes newborn to size 8 and now feature designs with the newest animal characters, Shiloh the Elephant and Freddy the Duck. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. A little update on our March 27th live recording of Latina to Latina. You did it. You sold out our early bird tickets. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There is still time to grab your regular tickets while they last. Again, the details. We are partnering with our friends at Poderistas to bring you a conversation with New York Times bestselling author Sochil Gonzalez. It is happening at the William Vale in Brooklyn on March 27th. You can find the link to purchase tickets on our Instagram page at Latina to Latina or online at Alicia Menendez XO. I cannot wait to see you. If you're a small business owner, who do you turn to for support and guidance? How do you figure out your path? That is the need that inspired Carolyn Rods to co-found Hello Alice a company that connects entrepreneurs with opportunities to help them launch and grow their businesses. Carolyn knows all about being a first-time entrepreneur, and we dive into the difference between vision and execution and how the pandemic was a make-or-break moment for her big idea. Carolyn, I am catching you in a big moment because, as I understand it, you've just raised $21 million in Series B funding. It's a lot of money. I know. It's kind of crazy to think about it, um, particularly given that we were so oversubscribed for this round, uh, which is a big change, particularly for, uh, as you know, a a woman-owned business and a Latino-owned business, just a really crazy experience. Uh, But I think a real testament to to our team and, and frankly, to the story of small business owners. Everybody doubted what we were setting out to do for so long And we kept saying there is a great business here. The new majority of business owners is a great source of revenue and a great business opportunity. What was the problem that you identified that you were setting out to solve? I always say I'm I'm building what I wish I would have had when I started my first business. I left investment banking, had a great but brief career there. And after four years, decided I, I wanted to try something new. And so I jumped blindly into entrepreneurship. I came from a very entrepreneurial family. I'd seen my grandparents run a business in Bolivia. I'd seen my father run a business in in the States. And both of those experiences really shaped how I viewed entrepreneurship. And when I got out there on my own, I realized there was so much that I didn't know. I knew the business I was trying to run. I had no idea what entrepreneurship really meant. And that company failed. 
uh, I did it again and really studied and, and learned. I realized most people don't have the opportunity to start over. And both of those experiences really shaped how and why we created Hello Alice. But ultimately, the goal is how do we build the path for small business owners that everybody else gets in their careers, right? If you're in investment banking, there's a very clear path of promotions and, and a journey that's sort of laid out for you. If you're a dentist, if you're a lawyer, all of these career paths have a really clear kind of start and end. For entrepreneurs, it is the Wild West. Where are you going and how do you decide, are you on the right path? Are you not? Are you growing? Are you not? And, and Hello Alice is, is setting out to solve that problem. I think that's particularly relevant for Latinas beyond the fact that we are one of the most entrepreneurial groups in the country. The number of small businesses owned and operated by Latinas is huge. It's a large part of where you see small business growth is that so many of the women I talked to on this podcast grew up being told they either needed to become doctors or lawyers. And that's because there was safety in the idea of being a doctor or a lawyer, especially if you have immigrant parents, this idea of like there is a path and you will get on the path and there will be a pot of gold at the end of that rainbow, as opposed to something like entrepreneurship where it's like, there may be that pot of gold, but we are not clear about how you're going to get from here to there. Interestingly, my parents told me very similarly, I, I could study finance or I could study accounting when I went to college. And they were so excited when I became an investment banker. It was a great career. It seemed very successful on the outside. It wasn't for me. It wasn't, I didn't enjoy it. I didn't experience the highs that many of my coworkers got when we closed a deal. There was nothing that really excited me. You didn't feel it. I didn't feel it. And when I decided to start my own business, you know, my father, again, as an entrepreneur, right, I'd seen the highs and lows that he'd experienced, couldn't have been more supportive. He actually was very, very helpful, very supportive from just a, an emotional standpoint. My mother, I think, you know, it, it certainly wouldn't have been the path that she would have chosen, was incredibly helpful in terms of helping me. I mean, she showed up at trade shows with me and she helped me pack boxes and really got into the weeds of execution with me. But I think there was great fear from her that I was letting go of this safety net and jumping into a path that was really unsure. When my babies were going through their exploration stage, I had so much to worry about. Falling over, bumping heads, what did she just put in her mouth? The list was endless. But when they were in pamper swaddlers, I knew I never had to worry about a leaky diaper. Swathers are great for both baby and mommy. They keep your baby's skin healthy and dry with Pampers Breathe-Free Liner, which wicks away wetness, allowing your baby's skin to breathe. Swathers have always given me peace of mind knowing that diaper rash and leaky diapers were not in our future. There's also the blowout barrier at the back waist to help prevent up to 100% of leaks, even blowouts. Pampers Swathers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic and free of parabens and latex. Your baby deserves that. And they're available in a wide range of sizes from newborn to size eight. And now feature designs with the newest animal characters, Shiloh the elephant and Freddy the duck. Having a diaper you can depend on is important. And it's why I have always loved Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today to start earning rewards with every diapers and wipes purchase. Not to mention, get great parenting content with Pampers Club. Hey, Red, what are you up to? Just making sure all the M&M's gifts are wrapped and the balls filled. Remember that one holiday party when we had no M&M's? Oh, boy, I still have nightmares. The cookies? Yeah, you used all the M&M's candies that were meant to decorate the party treats to decorate snowmen. 
You did it again, didn't you? <laughs> they do look cute, though. Bringing cheer. M&Ms for all fun kind. Hi, Latina to Latina listeners. It's Brenda from Tamarindo Podcast. And if you love Latina to Latina, then we know that you're going to love Tamarindo Podcast. And if you're in the L.A. area and can't make it to the Latina to Latina live event, we'd like to invite you to our event on March 28th at 6.30 p.m. We're hosting Amigas Blossoming, a night of celebrating and cultivating blossoming friendships. This will be in Highland Park, and all the details to RSVP for free are at tamarindopodcast.com forward slash events. The first business, that was the stationary business? So it was a luxury home and gift line. We had things like gift wrap and fragrance collections and stationery, all sorts of products that we sold into boutique gift stores and big box retailers. When you say that there were things you jumped into entrepreneurship and there were things you didn't know, what were the things you didn't know? I've always been more of a visionary. I can live my life, I think, six months to a year ahead, always. It's both a blessing and a curse. Um, mm -hmm. I really understood the growth of the business and what it could become. I had no idea of really where I needed to focus my time and energy. I can get really lost in the details. And so we had beautiful packaging and amazing branding. And, you know, the first trade show I did, I was at the National Stationery Show and had the worst booth in the back of the thing. I was like, well, no one is going to find us back here. <laughs> and we started getting these buyers, like the buyer from Bloomingdale's and the buyer from Neiman Marcus and all these people showing up. I'm like, how did you even find me back here? And they were coming like as a destination to our booth. And I'm like, they're like, oh, we've been hearing about you and you won best new product. Oh, I had no idea because I hadn't been to the front. I was like in my back corner the whole time. They were beautiful products. What I really missed the boat on was inventory management, how to make sure that we were getting repeat business, how to train you know salespeople to move things off the shelves, like the real fundamentals of the business that I just didn't know. To me, I was like, if I keep selling these, obviously the goal is just to sell, sell, sell. I missed some basics about recurring business and scalability and just cash flow management and ultimately couldn't facilitate both the cost of just living my life while I grew this business and the cost of actually having to reinvest into the company. That sounds like something I would struggle with if I were running. <laughs> what was so hard is that Everything seemed to be going well, right? You're sitting there and you're like, oh, you could walk into you know, Harrods and see my products. And that feels like a great success as an entrepreneur. You know, I never really thought about the, the amount of capital that it takes to grow inventory. The bigger the sales would come, I'm fronting the cash to get these things manufactured. And I was one person with a few contractors helping me out. I was literally the human that was packing every box that was writing everything, you know, that was showing up to every trade show, working, you know, insane hours. I always laugh that people talk about investment bankers working such crazy hours. And I'm like, that is nothing compared to starting a business. I just didn't see the writing on the wall fast enough because I was so caught up in execution. Ultimately, after two years, I realized it had run its course. But I never once considered getting a bank loan. I never once considered bringing in outside capital. I just didn't even know that was done at a company my size. Let's talk about that because if anyone should have known, theoretically, it should have been the former investment banker. Right? How ironic. What do you... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's why I wasn't a great investment banker. <laughs> in investment banking, I was working with companies. I mean, we started with companies that were 
200 million and up in revenues. My little company that, you know, started at zero and, you know, surpassed the million dollar mark, but not by a, a long shot in our, you know, first year or two, it didn't seem like there were any resources out there. And I think, you know, at hindsight, I will say that the failure of that company and the closure of that company was probably the hardest thing I've ever done in my career. And emotionally, I would say one of the lowest points of my life. No, but to take a risk and then not feel like you can point to it as an objective success, that's hard. Yeah, you throw everything into this business, right? And you go from this place in your career where I was making good money. I had a lovely home. I had, you know, I was getting to go out with my friends on the weekends and do all these things to a place where I couldn't afford to go to dinner with my friends. I couldn't afford to ever go on vacation. And I remember I like accidentally spilled bleach on my sheets one day and had like this big hole in my sheets. And I was crying because I'm like, I literally cannot afford to buy new sheets right now. I have to get like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches to feed myself because I don't know how I'm going to make my mortgage payment that's coming up. I mean, it was a really, really stressful time. And I, I was embarrassed about it. I'd gone from having this, you know, independence and stability and, and everything that I'd worked for my whole life. I'd never really failed at something that I'd put all of my energy towards to literally, you know, having bill collectors calling me. And I didn't tell my parents. I didn't tell any of my friends. I was really trying to figure out how can I pick up the pieces here and and patch this back together. But I learned a ton about myself. And I, I realized, look, rock bottom is you can recover from it and you can get past it and you can figure it out. It's all fixable, which is, I think, one of the greatest lessons I've ever learned. Hello, Alice is described as a free multi-channel platform powered by AI technology that guides business owners by providing access to funding, networks, and services. Break down for me what that looks like for a business owner who's using your platform. Yeah. Hello, Alice is a, a passport through entrepreneurship. It is the guide to what's next for your business, what's relevant to you, and what resources do you need to accomplish that next milestone. The idea is that the journey, and I think what I learned through running two companies, very different businesses, very different industries, same human. It's very, very different depending on what you're working towards. The milestones are essentially the same, right? In every company, you've got to set up your business entity. In every company, you've got to hire that first employee. In every company, you've got to put together a business plan. But what that looks like is very different if you are a manufacturing company or a tech company, or if you live in Texas or you live in California or you live in New York. And so what we really wanted to do was how can we mimic the real world experience that we have with mentors and advisors and this incredible circle that the people who are sort of in the know have always had access to? How do we take that experience and mimic it in a very scalable and and technology driven way? And also finding the right mentor is very difficult and time consuming. And so if you think about when you're having a conversation with somebody in the offline world, they're getting to know you. They're getting to know who you are. They're getting to know where are you in your business and what stage are you at? And then they're making recommendations about what you need to go accomplish, whatever it is that you're struggling with. So we've taken that and said, okay, if we can understand who you are, what resources are available for you, and how do we make that match very efficiently? Imagine the opportunities that that can open up for every single entrepreneur out there. Because I'm always shocked that in this world of innovation and entrepreneurship and, you know, even when you look at sort of Silicon Valley and, and New York and like these real tech hubs, it is so antiquated in terms of the way information moves. Everything is through word of mouth. Everything is about who you know. 
And it makes no sense. I'm like, surely I, I, I've struggled really. I was like, has nobody figured this out? Like, has nobody tackled this? It's incredible. And so we set out to to fix that. So then the pandemic hits. And does that say to you, oh no, we're so screwed? Or does that say to you, thank God we exist? This is an incredible opportunity to test our entire hypothesis. You know, I think one of the things that really sets entrepreneurs apart and the people that that really choose it as a career path versus choose it as kind of a stepping stone is when you're faced with an obstacle, do you relentlessly figure out a way around it or do you get overwhelmed and freeze? And I think we all know which personality we fall into. When the pandemic hit, we had actually set our whole marketing program for 2020 was based around in-person events. So our launch was supposed to be at South by Southwest you know, a week, I think, before South by Southwest was supposed to happen, it got canceled. So we had spent, and for us, I mean, hundreds of thousands of dollars was a massive piece no. of our budget. And it, it just very quickly, every kind of day by day was really apparent that it is like shelter in place is happening. And no, you're not going to go engage with business owners on the ground and do this grassroots thing outside of South by Southwest. So I ended up going to Austin simply to pick up the remnants of our experience that we could salvage and perhaps repurpose but most of it just, you know, was gone. Once we knew it really wasn't going to happen, the money was awash, there was nothing we could do about it. We said, all right, we've got to help these business owners. And we simultaneously kind of went on two tracks. One was we've got to skinny down as much as we can and get lean because we don't know what this next year is going to bring to us as a business. And so we made some really tough layoffs. We let our leases go. We let our offices go. We did everything we could do to just work down the budget think if there is a hard thing that you have to do as a founder, it is letting an employee go. I don't wish that experience on anyone. And if there's one thing that gives me anxiety and keeps me up at night for weeks and months before and after, it is that. And then the second thing was, how do we get out there and support these owners? So we set up a grants program that were emergency grants for the pandemic got it up and running in a matter of weeks. We set up a small business resource center around COVID-19 about how to shelter in place Everything from, you know, again, how to terminate employees, how to close your business down if you needed to, how to make sure you had, you know, PPE set up and where to get it. It was every detail that these owners needed, how to navigate, you know, PPP loans and EADL loans. And let's just focus on that and see where it takes us. And it paid off in spades for us as a business. Forgive me, but explain to me how that paid off for you. We grew certainly as a community. We had over 1,100% year-over-year growth with the business owners that we supported. We were able to deploy over $20 million in grant funding out to small business owners. We built you know, enterprise relationships that we had been moving along slowly with. All of a sudden, obviously, small business was at the forefront, and we were out there, boots on the ground, doing things in all of these communities all of a sudden, like, you know, the phone lines lit up and everybody was calling to say, how do we help? What can we do? <laughs> you know, we want to talk. And those relationships have evolved into multi-year commitments and, and multi-year relationships that we have. And so it really, you know, brought everybody together in a way of, I think, what we needed to do for business owners was just so clear, but also became really clear to everybody around us. We, I feel like we've been sort of preaching to this void for a long time. All of a sudden, people were like, there is a massive need and gap and right. an opportunity here. Wow. Talk about 
finding opportunity in a otherwise incredibly challenging situation. What I'm excited about, I think that's emerging out of this pandemic is everybody recognized small business owners play a massive role in our communities. We all noticed it when restaurants shut down and when we couldn't go down the street to pick up whatever we needed and, and everything was everything was just a little bit more difficult. We realized that it does personally impact us and these communities, businesses play a role in, in helping us just day to day get done the things that we need to do. I have to say, I love that you're in Houston. Like, I love any time that we talk with someone who's doing something really big and interesting who's not in New York or in Silicon Valley, because I think this is where things are headed. The disadvantages are clear, right? Like, I'm sure in pre-pandemic times, we're a lot of getting on planes for you that otherwise would have been like short drives to places. What are the advantages, though, to your being in Houston? The one reason that was most compelling to stay put was this is where our market is. Like these are the business owners that we are supporting. There's over you know 150,000 small businesses in Houston alone. The middle of the country is who we're trying to get to. There is a lot of infrastructure and a lot of resources on growth companies in the Bay Area already. And we don't want to compete against these accelerator programs. It's very different if you're in rural Idaho and you're trying to build your business in this small town and where do you go? There is no SBA center down the street. There is no, you know, accelerator program that you can join. And so that is is a huge part of what we're trying to solve for. What we found was that even for people in the big cities, the accelerator program is accepting 25 people. What happens to the other, you know, 149,975 people that need support out there. And so there's a huge market there. Your Twitter bio says that you are an eternal optimist. When has it been hardest for you to be optimistic? I would say it's just like ingrained in me. I will always look for the silver lining, even at the lowest of lows, because it, it helps me, frankly, get through those lows. And it's just probably more of a survival mechanism more than anything else. I think I've held really true to my optimism because I really think that if you are looking for solutions always and you're looking for a better way, like nothing is permanent in this life, right? If we're in a situation that we don't like, there's always something you can do to change that. And it's up to us ultimately to find the pieces and, and patch the things together that we need to change that. As long as I have my health and as long as I have my independence, I get to control kind of where I'm going and, and what's happening around me. And if I don't like it, it's up to me to change it. Um, and I think that's a very like Latina way of seeing in the world. Like we are a very resilient and optimistic culture by nature. We aren't ones to sort of dwell on the negative. And, and if anything, I think we'll probably just ignore the negative and proceed along sort of the happy path. But I think that's part of being an entrepreneur, right? You have to have that optimism or the closed doors are just going to tear you down. Yeah. Natalia Oberti Noguera, who you've probably crossed paths with somewhere in this journey, yes, has yeah. a, a great way of putting it, which is that it is not about not taking no for an answer. It's about looking for the right yes. And that you actually want to find people who share your vision and who you click with because those will be the best partners for you. I love that. That's a great way to say it. And I think if you're always looking at what did you learn from those slam doors and what did you learn from those no's, it puts you a lot closer to the yeses. And all you need is one yes. I always say it's sort of like dating, right? You're going to probably date a lot of people. And with every one of those relationships, you're going to learn something along the way. 
And at the end of the day, most people are looking for the one. You just need to find the match. And I think that's a lot of what we're building for our small business owners is look, you're not, not every opportunity is not relevant to you. And we're going to be a more efficient way for you to find your yes. I love it. Carolyn, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. This is so fun. It's always fun to kind of walk down memory lane too of, of how we started and, and ended up here. So thank you. And I just keep thinking of you at that um, trade show just in the corner. <laughs> you come a long way, baby. Thanks for listening. Latina to Latina is executive produced and owned by Juleka Lentigua Williams and me, Alicia Menendez. Sarah McClure and Paulina Velasco are our senior producers. Our lead producer is Cedric Wilson. Kojin Tashiro is our associate sound designer. Stephen Colon makes this episode. Manuela Bedoya is our social media editor and at OpsLead. We love hearing from you. Email us at hola at latinatolatina.com. Slide into our DMs on Instagram or tweet us at Latina to Latina. Remember to subscribe or follow us on Radio Public, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Good Pods, wherever you're listening right now. Remember, every time you share the podcast or you leave a review, you help us to grow as a community. A little update on our March 27th live recording of Latina to Latina. You did it. You sold out our early bird tickets. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There is still time to grab your regular tickets while they last. Again, the details. We are partnering with our friends at Poderistas to bring you a conversation with New York Times bestselling author Sochil Gonzalez. It is happening at the William Vale in Brooklyn on March 27th. You can find the link to purchase tickets on our Instagram page at Latina to Latina or online at Alicia Menendez XO. I cannot wait to see you.